You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Today on the show, we're going to look at this last winning streak for the Winnipeg Jets. Does that turn them into buyers at the trade deadline? We're going to talk about Kyle Connor and the rumors that he could be on the move and the return of Jacob Truba to Winnipeg tonight. So it looks like this could be a shorter episode today. It seems like there hasn't been too much going on with the Winnipeg Jets since the last time we chatted last week, other than the fact that they're winning. So let's look over the last few games, Kyle. The Jets are on a hot streak. They've won three straight. They've won four out of their last five. They are 4-0-1 in their last five. Have the Jets turned the corner? The All-Star break, was that the best thing for them? What's going on right now? I mean, we talked about last week how getting the break um, at that time was probably the best thing for them. And I mean, at the time, I think they lost four or five in a row at that point. had lost like seven of eight, just in a real downward, downward spiral. But everybody gets a week off. They come back out of the break with a little bit middling numbers. I know there was a loss there uh, to the Bruins, uh, a couple losses there. But then they kind of turn things around. And now that they're uh, at home for a, a six-game homestand, they've taken care of business, two straight games at home now. Uh, they still got four more games. If they can keep it up, I mean, they'll be in, uh, in decent shape for the wild card race. Yeah, the Jets have won three straight in total. That one against the Blues was on the road. Two against the defending defending Stanley Cup champs. And then they beat the lower teams in Ottawa and, Black, and the Blackhawks. Those are the ones that you have to win against teams lower than you in the standings, and especially against the Blackhawks being in the same division. But the one thing that kind of interested me about these last two games was the way the Jets won. It seemed like against the Senators, they were in control from start to finish. And then when they played the Blackhawks, we were watching together on Sunday. And so, as you know... They scored 15 seconds into the game, and my heart dropped when I saw that. And we left your place thinking, this is going to be a nightmare. I had to leave after the first period for those listening because I've got young kids. We wanted to put them to bed at a decent time. And so I didn't get a chance to watch. I listened to the rest of the game on the way home on the radio. But it surprised me that the Jets then could score shorthanded. They scored on the power play to tie it. I did not see a comeback in the cards. They'd given the stat, I think they'd only had about four or five games that they'd come back from after being trailing after the first period. I thought, well, maybe this is going to be one of those five games, and turns out it was. So, going from a commanding game against the Senators to a come-from-behind win on Sunday, they're doing it in different ways, and it's nice to see some of the big guys finally scoring. Yeah, I, I totally agree, and it's actually interesting seeing some of the scoring trends coming out of the break. Uh, it wasn't actually the usual suspects like we saw against uh, Ottawa and Chicago. Kyle Connor, uh, back-to-back three-point nights, actually a four-point night, one of those games as well. Um, he was actually the second star of the week. We'll maybe touch on that a little bit later. But um, in the games before that, in those wins against St. Louis, the third line of, of Kopp, Rozovic, and Harkins, they were really the best line. Uh, Andrew Kopp scoring game winners all over the place lately. Uh, it's that secondary scoring that's really come through in the last couple of weeks, and that's huge for the Winnipeg Jets because we know Line A is going to score. We know Con- Connor's going to score, obviously, Line A with a hat trick the other day. But when you can get that third line, when Kopp's scoring your game-winning goals uh, against St. Louis, when he's scoring that game winner against Chicago, it just makes your team so much more dangerous. Now, um, the Blackhawks didn't couldn't just worry about Line A and Shifley and Connor. Now they have to worry about Wheeler because he scored a power play goal. And then all of a sudden you have the third line coming at you and Connor, or uh, sorry, Andrew Kopp scores the game winner. So trying to block all three lines, I mean, really tough to do. And uh, when some guys start coming back from injury, if you have a fourth line that's um, decently strong as well, I mean, 
things are looking not too bad right now for the Jets. Yeah, and that's the big thing, is it getting that fourth line decent, because right now it's not, with guys like Shore, and there's been kind of a revolving door on that fourth line, and Shibasov got called back up, but wasn't in the lineup, uh, was Shaw on the wing, and, and so for the fourth line, and not getting a lot of minutes, they need some stronger players, and it's going to be interesting to see where Lowry goes when he comes back into the lineup, and we still don't know exactly as far as little is concerned. And so now, seeing this bit of a run that the Jets are on, they play again tonight against the Rangers. They play the Sharks again Friday, all at home. with Blackhawks again Sunday. Where is your optimism level right now for the Jets? Just in, just in well, a, I mean, obviously, as a whole. Like it needs it needs to be better than last week. Obviously, I think we're coming off of off of a few wins. And the biggest thing for me is uh, the Jets are getting other teams losing at the right time as well. And essentially, when you're in a playoff race like this, and there's about five teams fighting for wild card spots, you need to get some luck along the way with other teams losing. The Jets have got that. Yeah, they lost to Nashville in overtime. Uh, in that game, that was important. But beating the Blackhawks uh, in regulation was big. Seeing some of those other teams lose, um, also big. So Winnipeg Jets climbing the standings actually fairly quickly with a few wins. So optimism, definitely high, especially with some of those other teams not playing as well as they have as of late. So right now the Jets have 63 points. Arizona has played one more game than Winnipeg, and they are tied, but just outside of the playoff picture. And then Nashville is four points back. Minnesota is five points back. Same with Chicago. And then Anaheim, San Jose, L.A., way further back at the bottom of the uh, Western Conference. And so the Jets really worried right now about Arizona and Nashville. And then Minnesota, Chicago are kind of on the outside. They would definitely take a lot more for them to climb up into a playoff spot. But now the Winnipeg Jets, do they set their si- sights on Dallas trying to catch the Stars just four points back? Or do they just try and keep hanging on to that playoff spot? Obviously, you don't need to really worry about that. That's not what you're thinking about when you're playing. You're just trying to win every single game that you possibly can. Hopefully this homestand can continue to be well for the Winnipeg Jets and they can get a bit of a, a streak going and, and carry on with this. And so now... With a win streak like this, does this change anything for you as far as playoff expectations, or not necessarily playoff expectations, but trade deadline expectations are concerned? I don't think it, it should. I mean, are the Winnipeg Jets that much different today than they were one week ago? The answer is no. They're literally the exact same team. Other than where so, they are in the standings. Correct. So so the only difference is they happen to win a couple games, right? The makeup of the team is the same. The long-term goals of the team is the same. The actual players on the team are the same. The literal only difference is they've won a couple games. And I don't think winning three games in a row should all of a sudden make you a huge buyer compared to a seller. So I think the Jets have to be careful. Shevoldayoff specifically has to be careful if they do win a couple more that you don't want to go overboard and try to load up like crazy because we've seen this team all year long I don't think that in a matter of one week they've instantly turned the corner and now we're a Stanley Cup contender. I, I, I just don't think that's the case. So you have to be careful with the trade deadline to not get caught up in, in a win or loss streak and you got to be real with what your team actually is. No, I'm 100% with you. I just wanted to pose the question because and I'm pretty sure I knew what you were going to say uh, before you said it. Uh, the only thing as far as, as far as the Winnipeg Jets lineup is concerned they would have to drop off quite a bit for them to be sellers. And I think right now where they are in this little bit of a streak and the momentum of some of the defense playing better and just some of the depth players playing better as well, I think that this is 
a place where the Jets probably aren't going to be buyers or sellers at the deadline other than maybe a hockey trade. And we kind of mentioned that before in the last podcast about adding a defenseman who's going to be here for a while. And again, that would be something that the right deal would have to come into place. So the Jets aren't going to be buyers in the sense that they're going to be paying a first-round pick, a prospect for a guy like Stastny. But I do think they might be partial buyers in the sense that could they trade a a third-round pick for a, a depth defenseman? Could they trade a, a fourth or fifth round pick for for added depth down like a defenseman forward, something like that? You might see a deal like that get done. But I think a first round pick's 100% out of the question. Top prospects are out of the question at this point. It might just be like one of those late round picks for a really depth move uh, just to add another body. Yeah, and it really depends what's available, but I'm right there with you. You don't want to be... We, we talked about a little... Uh, we talked about it last week about which potential prospects would be available if the right deal was there, and I just don't know if I see any of that happening right now, not till the offseason. And as far as selling goes, really the only player the Jets have that, in my mind, would be sellable is Kulikov with an expiring contract who they might not want on their team next season anyway. Is that a player that you could see the Jets moving on from mid-season? I don't think they would, but should they? He He's looked not bad the last few games, but he's always kind of been an injury risk, even with the Jets, and we know before that he was always an injury risk as well. He's got an expiring contract, $4 million. If you can send him and get pieces back, whether even if it is just picks and prospects, and if you can then turn a pick and a prospect into a defenseman that's comparable, that would be, I don't know, just for this season, I don't know how much I would mess with chemistry, what he's thought of in the room. I've always heard that a lot of people kind of like him. What What are your thoughts on a guy like that? Yeah, I think it's very unlikely that's going to happen because, I mean, what's his value? You have a guy playing top four who probably shouldn't be playing top four worth $4 million. Any team that's wanting to buy wants a guy that's cheap, right? Because they're probably going to be near the cap and they want a guy to play like third pairing. Kulikov is not really fitting the bill because he just costs way too much. So I don't think you're going to be able to sell him for assets in return. If anything, it'll be really late round picks. And if you're getting late round picks, you're not turning those into anything else. And they're not really worth much to you anyways. Um, So I think at that point, I mean, what's the point to mess with your team just to make a move to get a sixth-round pick? I mean, I don't see it happening possible but unlikely uh, just given the circumstances with this contract. Yeah, no, fair enough. I just was thinking that a team that would be in the playoff hunt that's looking for a third-pairing defenseman, he's the kind of guy that could be a decent third-pairing defenseman on a team like Pittsburgh or pick a team that maybe needs a little bit more depth defense? The only option the only option is if, if Winnipeg retains half the salary, right? So then you cut the salary in half from four to two. Then it becomes much more manageable if Winnipeg's uh, able to do that. We still don't really know what's going to happen um, with, with Dustin Bufflin's salary, what the official word is yet. So we're, we're still not super clear on what the cap space is. But if there is some room, that could be a deal Shovel Dayoff makes. If he retains half, there might be a little bit more value there. But I, I see it. It's tough to anything you get in return. You're not going to flip and all of a sudden get a top four D-man out of that. Well, no, I'm not necessarily expecting a top four, but you were just talking before about bringing in kind of like a depth third-pairing defenseman, and we've got a lot of those already on the Jets. And so if you are going to be bringing one in for a late-round pick, maybe you could get a mid-round pick for Kulikov 
if you ship him out and retain some salary and then kind of gain a little bit of assets kind of in that regard and bring somebody in to replace him. But again, if you have any aspirations of going on... But any- you're still losing a defenseman. Well, no, you're bringing in a depth defenseman. Yeah, I mean, like, if you're still... If you're trading... But you're you're trading a, a top six defenseman to then get a top six defenseman. Like the only way there's a deal there is if you bring in somebody better than Kulikov is currently. Again, it's all on perceived value in the sense of where do you value Kulikov? If he's only a six, you can bring in a guy who's a six on another team, and then maybe somebody else values Kulikov a little bit higher, right? Like. I think there could be some wiggle room there. And obviously, whoever you'd get back would be a perceived downgrade on Kulikov. I, maybe that's not a great idea. I think there is some wiggle room that you could bring in a serviceable defenseman if you know you're not really going anywhere this year. But again, I feel where the Jets are on the bubble, they're not going to tinker with anything. If they were out of the playoff picture right now, I would be all on board of selling Kulikov for whatever you can get. But right now, yeah, you like you said, there's no it doesn't make any sense to kind of move them if you're still trying to stay in the hunt in a sense. One other thing we want to get to on the podcast today, I saw an article on Jets Nation about moving Kyle Connor, and there's been some rumors floating around. What do you think about this, Kyle? Yeah, it's interesting. The uh, specific rumors mentioned, uh, I believe it came from uh, Mike McIntyre to the Free Press, uh, heard some rumblings going on about potentially uh, a deal with Colorado. No deal, obviously, in place, but just talk between Colorado uh, and Winnipeg uh, centered around Kyle Connor and potentially coming the other way. Uh, Bowen Byram, uh, the fourth overall pick uh, in last year's draft. Definitely an interesting uh, idea here. So what do you think it would take to get this deal done? Let's just say... This there's some fire there's some fire here to this trade. What else would have to be added to make this an even trade? On either side. I mean, yeah, it, it's tough. I mean, you're looking at Kyle Connor, who's leading the team in goals, right? There are a lot of people who think Connor's going to be the first Jet to hit 50 in a season, and he very well could be the way he's scoring goals recently. So. You take Winnipeg's arguably the best scorer. I mean, Line is probably one of the best scorers as well. He, he's young. Um, he's signed long-term. There's all these sorts of things. He's a he's a really attractive piece for a lot of teams. Then you talk about, well, what, what's Byram worth? You're talking about a, a up-and-coming big defenseman, a strong defenseman, fourth overall pick, like great pedigree. He could be the defenseman of the future for the Winnipeg Jets alongside Morrissey, and there's your blue line for the next... 15 years right so there there's definitely some intrigue here i think from both parties as far as what's what's byron worth in my mind i have no idea i mean that's a tough one it all depends what you what you value uh prospect defenseman at see the biggest thing for me is that boehm by bowen byram's Second year numbers, his draft plus one season, and I was just quickly trying to look this up, his numbers were actually down from his draft year. His draft year, he had 71 points in 67 games, and then this this season, he has 32 points in 38 games. So he's a year older, his numbers should be getting better, but they've actually dropped down, and he didn't make it on the World Junior squad. He's 6'1", 194 pounds, so he's got decent size. And I've heard lots of really good things about him. He was a fourth overall pick, and there was a reason why he was picked there. But I just feel that there's more risk there. A guy who's still in junior, 
who's not in the NHL yet, there's so much more risk, maybe potential for upside, but when you look at Kyle Connor, you have such an established player, his contract's not that bad, he's tied up here for a while, his numbers have been great, they've been steadily improving, he's got the shot, he's got the offense, he's a great player, and that's already been established, and he's still super young on a good contract. Like, he's got so many things going for him that even if Boehm Byram is going to be great, I think there's there's still more risk there that the Jets would need to get something else on top of Byram if you are going to be making a trade. And so I think that the Jets would have to either get another prospect and a pick back or a first-round pick and something else. I think there needs to be more for the Jets, or maybe I'm just overvaluing Kyle Connor. You'd almost want a sure thing in, in Winnipeg's mind because, like you said, Byram is, yes, he's a fourth overall pick, but we all know just because you're picked high doesn't actually mean anything, right? It's all about the development curve and where guys are going to end up. We've seen former first overall picks not really make it in the league, but Kyle Connor, like you said, is a sure thing. The only thing of Kyle Connor is his defensive game is a little bit lacking. Um, Depending on what you're looking at, eye test, he sometimes is good. Sometimes he just loses a lot of battles uh, in his own end. Uh, and then his actual uh, advanced numbers looking at defense are actually pretty poor. Uh, penalty kill, 5-on-5 five five as well. A lot of people focus on the goal totals, which are spectacular. But defense is one thing that's a little bit curious. But like you said, he, he is a sure thing. You know he's an NHL player. Uh, you know he's an offensively gifted NHL player. Definitely worth more than uh, maybe a guy with a higher pedigree, but you don't really know what's going on. So... Definitely an interesting uh, thought experiment. Well, no idea if there's any traction to these rumors, but just uh, something interesting to think about. Now, if you were looking at the Winnipeg Jets lineup, would you do it if it was for Makar? I know this is Makar's rookie season, and he's been having a standout year. Would you do it, Makar, for Connor? Would that be closer in your mind? Yeah, I think that'd be pretty close. I mean, you've seen almost a full season of a guy who's, I mean, I would say rookie of the year. I mean, it's... It's really is. It's like he's a phenomenal skater, great gifted player. He looks the part, like he's playing the part. I mean, maybe not as much of a sure thing because he's in his rookie season, but I mean, at at that age, Kyle Connor is in the AHL, so I mean, you're looking at quite the progression that McCarr could have. Yeah, I think that McCarr for Connor, if you start, if that's what you're offering, just because there is less risk, I feel than in Byram then I think that there that's something that the Jets might would want to look at because then you're bringing in a young, guaranteed stud defenseman, a little bit more guaranteed than Byram. And again, I know some guys who are fans of his, and so then right now it's, I guess, just kind of wait and see, but I don't think they need to rush anything like that right now. And maybe this is something where we start to see something of this caliber in the offseason, but... The way Connor's been playing and the way that he has been the last few years and with the contract and everything long term, I think you got to keep Kyle Connor right now. He's in my keep pile. So, one final segment here today, just kind of wrapping up the podcast. Uh, the Jets recall Christian Veselainen. Your thoughts on this quickly, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, is he going to play? Who knows? Probably not. But, uh, I mean, it'd be nice to get him some more practice with the NHL squad. Maybe just hasn't quite turned out as expected. Hopefully, he can kind of regain his uh, step a little bit. Yeah, that would be nice to see if he can kind of get a little bit of more confidence and maybe we can actually see some of that talent that we'd heard so much about and that we were really hoping for in Winnipeg 
And again, we talked about before with the fourth line needing some help. If Lowry comes back, maybe he can get Veselainen in and get him playing with some decent players. But I really don't know if they want him in a fourth line grinder type role, if that's going to be really the best use for a guy like Veselainen. Hopefully he can take the next step coming into Winnipeg. Uh, also, I mean, I know Jets Nation looking for more writers, and you do a little bit more on the writing side of things. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jets Nation always looking for some more uh, good quality writers and uh, that sort of thing. So if you uh, have an itch to write and want to have some fun, please let us know. One thing I want to mention as well, Kyle, uh, you're going to be hobnobbing with some pretty uh, fancy Jets dignitaries tomorrow. Uh, and so that's why we're actually recording the podcast today. Um, are you able to get Team Mussolini on our podcast? Have we confirmed that yet? <laughs> That'll be uh, maybe a bit of a stretch, but uh, essentially what's going down, we all know uh, the Hall of Fame or Winnipeg Jets Hall of Fame induction ceremony actually going on during tonight's game. Uh, Thomas Steen, Randy Carlisle are this year's inductees. It's going to be a ceremony going on at the Jets game tonight. You don't want to miss that. Um, also marks Jacob Truba's return uh, to Winnipeg for the first time since leaving uh, but like you mentioned, uh, tomorrow is the uh, the luncheon with uh, Steen, Carlisle, uh, guests, family, friends. Um, I, I happen to have a ticket for that tomorrow, so it's definitely going to be a good time uh, with some of those uh, famous Jets players. Uh, I'm sure there'll be lots of people from the organization, and it's going hoping to be a, a great event. And so one last thing, Jacob Truba trade, and maybe that's something we should be talking a bit more about here on this podcast today, and we can wrap that up here in segment number three. But Jacob Truba returns to Winnipeg tonight. Does he get booed? Does he get cheered? Is there a standing ovation? Is there a fancy tribute? What do you expect? Yeah, I was talking to this with one of my coworkers today, and we kind of said, Sure, there's going to be some fans that boo him because I know a few people don't don't like him. But generally, I think he's going to be met with uh, with some cheers. I mean, a lot of fans remember him as the the second um, pick that Winnipeg had, Mark Scheifele being the first first round pick, Truba being that second year first round pick. So obviously, some nostalgia factor there. Um, but on the ice, I mean, Truba was a vital part of of the Jets. He was huge in that Cup run. Uh, in 2018, he was a, a great player for a number of years. He made Josh Morrissey look really good together. They were great. Um, yes, he had contract issues. Yes, he had issues with his agent. Yes, he held out and had arbitration. We all know those stories. But I think he will be met with cheers, mixed in with a little bit of booze. But I think that's exactly how he'll like it. Yeah, no, I'm not a huge Jacob Truba fan, but I agree with you. I think for the most part, it'll be cheers. I think for a lot of the casual fans, it'll be cheers. Happy to see him back in Winnipeg. And so when you look at this trade for the Winnipeg Jets, and we talked, we've talked about wins and losses of trades, where do you rank the Jacob Truba win-loss ratio as far as the Jets are concerned? Would you put it at more like... 80% win, 20% loss, or get, kind of give me a percentage what, where you would be on that pendulum of who won and who lost that trade. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, <laughs> at the time, we were all thinking, really, what was going on? It's a loss for Winnipeg. It's You have to evaluate a trade at the time it's made. Essentially, there, there's no other good way to do it. So I think the Winnipeg... It's hard to say the Winnipeg Jets lost that trade, right? Because Pionk's played quite well. And you could argue that Chevaldeoff knew Pionk's value and that he was going to have a good season. So you can't really say they lost the deal. But at the time, it was seen as not as good of a return as they could have gotten. And I still stand by that. Um, Truba having an off season, but 
once again, if you flipped Truba and Pionk this season, how would Truba and Morrissey's combination together look on this team? And how would Pionk's numbers look in New York? Because New York's not a good team. Winnipeg's been not too bad. So would if you flip them, would Pionk have 30-some points if he was still playing in New York? Probably not. Would Truba have double the points he has if he was still playing in Winnipeg and playing power play, first unit power play? Probably. So, I mean, there's so many things to look at here, but I think uh, Winnipeg still could have got a better return than they had uh, back then. It's it's tough because I've really liked Pionk this year, and then the part that we haven't talked about is Vili Hainala. And with Hainala's play and surprising a lot of people this year, and with his progression and I know sometimes just ups and downs of a season, if he can come back next year and be in the lineup already, or if he can continue to develop into a great defenseman, that would be an asset the Winnipeg Jets might have lost for nothing all of a sudden if they wouldn't have made that trade and to get that first round and get back into that first round and make a selection there. And I think Pionk is probably a downgrade from what we would have had this year from Jacob Truba. But that asset in the future of Hainala, I think, gives the Jets the slight edge a good return for what they gave up. And so I think it's still pretty, like you said, pretty tough to tell at this point of the of the season and where we are as far as the trade goes. And so I, I like evaluating trades well in hindsight. I know you prefer like the moment after before they even play any games. And so that I always just think back to the big Evander Kane trade with Buffalo because... When you think about Winnipeg Jets trades over the years, there was a long period where they didn't make any trades. They've made a few over the last couple of years. But I always think of the Kane trade and the Truba trade as the big ones for the Winnipeg Jets. And even like trading Ladd, to me, never felt like a big trade because he was kind of just one of those guys that was kind of towards the end of his career already when we moved on from him. And so the actual like players in their prime are Kane and Truba, who the Jets traded. And so looking at the one with Buffalo, I think the Jets had the slight edge in that one still. And then now this one with New York, I think it's still up in the air. It's hard to tell. You, and yeah, the only issue I have with evaluating trades after the fact is specifically when it comes to picks, um, because at the time the Jets had no idea what they were going to use the pick for. If they had picked Vili Hainala and he never played an NHL game, I mean, it is what it is. You, that's on management's development more so than the trade itself. You couldn't say that, like, it doesn't change the value of the trade just because management made a bad pick. Or if he turns into, a, like, a, a huge number one defenseman, Vili Hainala is the next big thing, better than Josh Morrissey is currently, does that mean the pick was worth that much more at the time of the trade? Well, no, the, the value of the pick is the value of the pick, regardless of who's picked. So I think that, for me, is where you picks you need to evaluate at the time of the trade. Like I said before, you can make the argument that Shevel Dayoff had a good look at Pionk and said, I want that guy on my team. You could argue that you could look at into the future, but picks, I mean, you got to do it at the time. There's no other way to do it. Yeah, I, I I agree with that to a degree as far as evaluating picks afterwards. But you wouldn't have that pick and that player if it wasn't for, like, and I guess it kind of just goes good hand in hand. Good drafting, good management all goes hand in hand together. Would the, you kind of just assume at the same spot would the New York Rangers have drafted Vili Hainala. And so right now you say, 
the Rangers could have Vili Hainala and Neil Pionk for Jacob Truba because that's who they could have selected at that spot. And so you'd never really know what would have happened. There's a lot of maybes and because potential. They, they could have selected anybody, right? Exactly. But you assume that looking at the board, looking at who is there, that's who the Rangers would have selected. And so then basically you could say, well, then these two players for those two players or for that one player and then evaluate from there. But again, we've talked about this before. We'll look at this again maybe at the end of the season or look at this uh, in a couple of years and kind of like the way we did with the Buffalo trade with Evander Kane. So that does it for the day podcast today. Is there anything else you want to add, Kyle? No, that's about it. If you want us to talk about anything, hit us up on Twitter. We are the at Jets and Podcast. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.